The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everybody. This is Ben Malik coming to you from New Orleans. And we have Rory Malik, who is in Potomac, Maryland. She's a real estate, a commercial real estate attorney for over 25 years and is a partner at the AMLAW 100 International Law Firm, Hunter Andrews Kurth. She specializes in large commercial real estate transactions for REITs, developers, lenders, hotel, hotel operators, and more. But I'll, I'll let her tell you more about that. So, um, yeah. Rory, <laughs> could you tell me some more about your career and, um, you know, kind of how you got started in, in this industry? Sure. I mean, I, first of all, I like, I like to call myself a dirt lawyer, describe myself as a dirt lawyer, because it really doesn't matter what you do with the dirt, right? You can buy it, sell it, finance it. I can do it from the borrower side, the lender side. It doesn't really matter. I have a niche specialty in hotel financing and hotels acquisitions and development, but it, it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I mean, you could call me a generalist at the end of the day, as long as it involves dirt, I can help you with it. I probably should step back and you, you did a great introduction, but say I'm, I'm based in Washington, DC, but pre-pandemic, I split my time between our New York offices and DC offices. I'm barred in New York. Spent a good amount of time too in our Florida office. There's a lot of real estate in Florida. And if our clients need me, I'm happy to, hey, you want me to fly and fly to Miami in February? Sounds good to me. Okay. Uh, as far as how I got into it, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time. Um, my parents will tell you that I was destined to be a lawyer, that I, I needed an outlet for some of that uh, talking back and energy I had as a young child. My teachers would probably tell you the same thing. But my I always knew- would I, say, right? <laughs> Wouldn't my parents say the same thing? Your parents would probably say the same thing. I also have to commend- how your parents raised you based on your taste in music and, and the albums you have yeah. behind you. That is a, that's good parenting right there. I agree. <laughs> but I, so I, I was destined to be a lawyer. I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I really didn't consider a lot else, but once you get into law school, there's a differentiation right away. Oh, do you want to be a litigator or do you want to be a transactional attorney? I think at my core, I have the personality of a litigator and, and most people would have probably told you I would have been a litigator, but I, I went against my instinct a bit in the sense that, especially big firm litigation, it, it's not what you think it is. It's not what you see on TV. It's not law and order. It's not even any of those law programs. It's a lot of deadlines. It's a lot of drafting behind the scenes. It's a lot of getting ready for a very long time and never getting into trial. And as a young up and coming attorney, you're not gonna be trying these cases. It's gonna take you 10 or 20 years probably before you're at that level. So that, that lack of immediacy wasn't appealing to me. Plus I thought maybe it made sense to go a little bit against my instinct to wanna fight and have that, that kind of experience. So I chose transactional, which suits me as well too. 
And once I got to my law firm, you know, you interview, you do this, the second year summer associate thing, hope you get a really good job that segues into a permanent job. And then it's who you have relationships with. That's really how you end up in the area you're going into, who you worked for, who you enjoyed, and who enjoyed being with you. And I was given an option of real estate or a more technocratic corporate practice. And I was more suited for real estate. I mean, the, the personalities of the people, not only in the, in the law, in my law firm, but also the personalities of the clients. I, I love them. I, you know, a lot of cowboys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, a lot of what I like about real estate is the interpersonal aspect and how, you know, like, yeah, at the core of it, it's a relationship business and everyone's friendly and everyone, you know, I mean, like you can't make relationships. You're probably not going to succeed. And like they say, your network, your net worth is your net your network is your net worth. And um, yeah, I mean, definitely already seeing that at, at this age, but that's really cool. And um, so, I mean, yeah, is it any other reasons why you, you know, chose real estate as your, as your uh, path of uh, in, in law? There are parts of, the, of legal practice that are very technocratic and esoteric. And, and there are people very suited to that and, and people that want to be more behind the scenes or really look at code and interpret it, whether it's 40 Act or tax or, or REITs, compliance, some of those issues. I, that, that's not who I am. I mean, real estate is very fast. The deal comes in the door. It can close in 30 days, 45 days, 60 days. It's an eternity if, if a deal takes six months or even a year. Our deals tend to be pretty fast paced and, and that suits me. I do like the tangibility of it. I When my children were young, it was nice to drive around DC and say, hey, I worked on that building. And they'd see, I think they thought I was a builder when I was younger. And they'd see a crane in the ground and say, hey, my, my mom worked on that. It, mm -hmm. it is nice to see the bricks and mortar of it versus you know having worked on a piece of the tax code for a year. Yeah, definitely. I definitely thought, I used to think that you build buildings. And I was like, oh, that, that would be really cool to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. So um, before we get into some of the advice you have to share with um, aspiring lawyers or with people who use lawyers because they're investors or, or business people, um, could you just tell us about your first milestone in real estate? I suppose my first milestone, well, I mean, if I really go back, a lot's dictated by the job that you get and the firm that you're at and, and who you work with. But I'd say probably my first memorable milestone was becoming a partner in my prior law firm. And it was exciting because it was my first year of eligibility. So I felt like I was on the right track and on the fast track. I was pregnant with my second child. I thought that set a real example for women that came behind me. Not only could I become a partner, but I was pregnant and that didn't hurt me in any way. And that didn't set me back or slow me down. I mean, I, I remember during one of my pregnancies, I was working on a deal 24 seven and, and I had the stamina. I wasn't, I, I always had the stamina. I, I used to joke that the only person that could outlast me were the Marines that worked on my team, former Marines, and I could outlast them too. You know, and that was probably before I even drank this much coffee. So I always had the stamina when sometimes we would go all night. Sometimes we sleep at the office and, you know, when someone's pregnant, they think maybe you can't do that, but, but I never conveyed that I couldn't. So I would still come in on the weekends and have meetings and, you know, it didn't matter how far I had to sit from the table. And, and with both of my kids, I worked until the minute, you know, they were ready to, to be born. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that aspect of becoming a partner was a big deal. 
I would say probably the next milestone in, in, in any real estate lawyer, any real estate professional's life at, at my age and my juncture um, was 2008. I mean, uh, that the, the housing market crash and the stock market crash and just to see your clients struggling, your your colleagues struggling, not knowing how long it was going to last, not knowing. I mean, when you're a partner in a law firm, your compensation and, and and your business plan, I mean, it resets every year. Every year you go back to zero, depending on what your fiscal year is. And it was very scary going to zero that year and not knowing if you were going to get from zero to whatever, 50% of what you were the year before, 25%, and how long it was going to last. And I liken that to what happened in 2020, because when COVID started, and clearly there was a shakeup, and none of us knew what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, people did contract. I mean, it, it happened at a time of year where real estate tends to be slow anyway. I mean, a, a lot of people have metrics they have to meet by the end of the year. December 31st is a very big deal in real estate. And then people reset come January 1st. So when COVID really hit in, in its its in the beginning, it was in that Q1 2020. Mm -hmm. So it was already a quiet time for most people in real estate as you were ramping up. And then people were scared of what the ramp up was going to look like and whether they should be ramping up. What's going to happen? I mean, look what's happened with supplies, all, all of those aspects. And it and and all I could think about was 2008. Is this another 2008? And it wasn't. I mean, any any knock on wood, thank God. Yeah. Any real estate professional will tell you these are the busiest years I think we've ever had. I am nonstop, nonstop. Yeah, people. Uh, I mean, I know you've been saying that for a while, but um, I hear that a lot. And I mean, just yeah, you can look at the deal flow and the transaction volume, like all these records that CBRE and JLL are hitting. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a, a busy time. Um, but yeah, cool. So could you? give us some advice or could you give anyone who might be contemplating going into real estate or going into law um you know do you have any advice for them i mean it's a big cliche to say but you do have to love what you do i mean i, I mean i do it all day long during these past two years i'm probably working 18 so sometimes i think 24 hours a day you better like it i mean this is this is what you're doing all day and all night and there are times you're making sacrifices, whether it's seeing friends or seeing family or getting sleep, or you know, people pay this wordle thing on Facebook, whatever that new game is. I don't, I, I don't have time to play games. I'm always out of the loop on those things. I try to fit in TV here and there when I can on the weekends, but I'm never watching the latest show. I'm never keeping up with TV. I read a lot and and I will never sacrifice my reading time, but I will certainly sacrifice TV watching time. So there, there, are, there are sacrifices, of course, you make when you're working like that. So you have to enjoy it. And there are a lot of people, I think, that go to law school because they think it's a profession. They think there's money there. There's a certain prestige that comes with it. And if, if they're not capable of going to medical school or, or doing certain other things, they think maybe anyone can do it and it's an easy place to go. And it's just not true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it'll... it'll It'll kill someone that is not meant to be there. And the profession will, will, you know, choose someone up and spit them out if they're not meant to be there. You have to have the right personality for it, the right drive, the right skill sets. And, and if you don't, you should explore something else that you love. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And I remember you telling me on your first day of law school that uh, the, the dean said that 50% of you are going to fail. And um, no one thought it was them. 
but 50% of the people did fail. And it, it, so, I mean, clearly it wasn't you, but um, I remember you saying that if you want to be a lawyer, you have to know you want to be a lawyer because, you know, law school is going to weed you out. And if not, then law will weed you out. And um, I mean, I found it very interesting, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I have a lot of lawyer tendencies I picked up from my, my two lawyer parents, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I want to be more on the, the other side. I want to, I want to be, I want to be one of your clients maybe in the future, or maybe you can I be I would my, love that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I want you to be my general counsel. I'll, I'll let everyone know. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to headhunt you. So, sorry, sorry, hunting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no but, problem. Uh, you know what, yeah. if the work goes back to hunting, they're okay with it. All right. Yeah. Why not? Cool. So um, let's get into some advice you might want to give to someone who are in, who's a, you know, a business person or a real estate investor. And um, I mean, a lot of people see lawyers as a necessary evil, but um, I think that you can get a lot more out of your lawyer than just having it be a necessary expense. And uh, I mean, do you have an opinion on that? And if, uh, you know, there's a, a best, some best practices for managing and working with lawyer, do you share some of those? I mean, I, I, we, we really do partner with our clients. We do consider ourselves part of the team. We know their business. We want to know their business. I enjoy my clients. I enjoy working with them. Again, you have to, in order to do this all day, you have to be accessible. You have to have a good relationship. And we do partner with them in their deals. I mean, if a deal doesn't go forward, we typically have an arrangement where we don't charge them full rate, right? We're, we're going to go forward with you when you're winning and forward with you when you're not winning. Um, there are plenty of times clients come to me and ask me to look at something when they don't even have the deal yet. They say, hey, we're, we're competing for a deal. We're struggling with this aspect of it. The, the borrower, the lender, whoever it is, is struggling with this aspect. Can you help me solve it? And I think if you help me solve it, we might win the deal. And if we win the deal, you, Hunton, win the deal. Of course. Right. I, I, like, I like to add value. I like to help them. I like to be that creative thinker and help them come up with a solution. And, and great, of course, I want to win the deal too. But if I don't win the first three, then I'll get the fourth. So we really do consider ourselves part of the team. And, and I think they like us and, and we like them. And that's part of the reason they come back. I mean, yes, it, it is a business model, but we believe it too. We really do enjoy our clients. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, definitely when you're, you know, finding a teammate, whether it's a lawyer or it's, you know, someone to bring in house on your team, um, it's like, it's all about the relationship and the ability to work together and, and uh, I guess align interests in a way too. But um, I mean, could you give us some advice on how to choose a lawyer or, you know, how to know if someone's uh, the right fit for, for becoming part of your team? I mean, I'm sure there are people that, that, their initial instinct in choosing a lawyer. I mean, first of all, people tend to go to who they know. They go to friends and family, maybe someone they went to school with. I mean, particularly as you're coming up in the industry. When you get to my level, the type of deals I do and the type of practice I have, I means obviously at a high billing rate. And you have the deal has to uh, be able to support that high billing rate. And they tend to use a law firm like Hunton because not only do we have all the disciplines in-house, right? So we have lots of clients that are REITs. They need the tax planning. They need the REIT compliance work. They need the real estate aspect. They need the corporate, the joint venture. The um, clients may need certain types of opinions that only Hunton can give because we have the insurance, we have the know-how, we do it all the time. I mean, often it's often someone on the other side of the deal will say, can you use Hunton? 
because we know we can trust their opinion or we know they can add value or they're easier to, to work with or we've done another deal with them, which, which, is a, which is a wonderful thing to have someone on the other side ask to be able to work for, with you and represent your client. Um, I think that part of the mistake people make in, in how to manage a lawyer is just not communicating. I mean, effective communication is the most important piece. So there are sometimes people will come to us and say, we don't want to offend our general counsel. He really has to run the deal. He, he needs to maybe feel useful or he, or, or he knows a lot and he is useful, of course. Can you do this piece? Or can you just look over his shoulder? That'll make him more comfortable. Or we have investors that don't want us to just use our general counsel. It's important to them to have a firm like Hutton. So can you just do this aspect? Of, of course we can. You know, as long as we're having that communication and we know what our expectations are and what their expectations are, we can do that, of course. There are some clients that know, let's say they're selling um, a bunch of hotels. They know the hotels better than I do. They should be feeding that diligence information to the purchaser, but there are aspects I need to know. So that's fine to keep me out of that piece, but if I'm negotiating documents and I need to know something, or if the counsel for the purchase is going to ask me a question I need to know. I do need to, it's not a need to know basis. I do need to know almost everything, but if you wanna use me more efficiently and you wanna handle that piece in house, that is fine. And then there are clients that don't wanna do any of it. And that's their prerogative too. They're too busy, right? They're, they're going to their investment committee. They're touring properties. I mean, they, they all fly and look at the properties. They don't have time when they're on a plane to do the aspects or, or to really manage and close the deal. And so that's fine too. Just need to communicate and what your expectations are and what your counsel is supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you started to hit on this, but um, is there anything that clients do that waste, it's like a waste of your time and then a waste of their money by, by like, you know, as a result, because um, I can imagine like, you know, you have, there's a highest and best use of your time as the lawyer. And so is there anything that people forget to do that ends up costing them and ends up, you know, yeah, so it's stuff that you don't want to do and you don't think it's the, the best use of your time as a lawyer? Just not telling me, right? So let's say we're, we're selling a hotel and I think that the buyer's going to use it as a hotel. Why wouldn't I think, right? It's a profitable hotel. It has a good flag. And I think they're buying it as a hotel, but then I find out, oh, no, no, no. They're going to demolish it and build a mixed use, whatever. You know, that would have been helpful information because then I wouldn't have been drafting representations and warranties about the hotel aspects. If they're going to demo it and not keep it operational or they don't care who the flag is, that would be something I need to know. So not, not telling me something or, you know, I know my clients term sheets so I can see when there are changes and when there are differences, even if they negotiated before the term sheet got to my desk, but not telling me something that was a, was a sticking point that, you know, they pre-negotiated something or that someone really cared about something or something changed and, and nobody told me. Or that, let's say I have a lending client and I have a term sheet just for a one-off loan on one property, one borrower, but they don't tell me they're putting on one of their lines or they're doing note-on-note -note financing. And so there's another lender involved and all of a sudden I need to make sure the documents match or that someone else is involved you know, just not giving me information is, is the biggest deficit or the or an inefficient way to use a lawyer. As long as I have the information and we're communicating, 
it's all good. We'll get there. Awesome. That's um, it's uh, that's good advice and makes a lot of sense. And yeah, communication seems to be the the key to any any team and managing any yeah managing any project efficiently. So cool. Um, all right, let's uh head into the lightning round. Ooh. So let's. Or, well, these are gonna get increasingly more difficult. So I hope you're ready. Um, maybe maybe you're prepared ahead of time. But let's see. So first, what superpower would you want if you could choose any superpower? So I, 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 I like to hike. I like to be active. I, you know, I'm not playing, you know, flag football or adult baseball or, you know, whatever it is, but, but I consider myself athletic and I really do not want my body to ever be a limitation on what I want to do. If I want to go this summer to Acadia and hike to the highest peak, I don't want my body to prevent that. I don't want to twist an ankle or, or whatever it is. So I'd like to have a Wolverine type powers, right? My right. body just heal, right? Twist an ankle, it heals like that. Cut, cut, cut your arm open, heals, whatever it is so that my body, you know, as I age will not be a limitation on what I want to do. Well, well, and you know, seems- if I could hang out with Wolverine too, that'd be great. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, you could make some use of some claws as well. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay so what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you most um in your life or in in your career oh my goodness so so i read a lot i always have multiple books on my nightstand fiction nonfiction, every everything you can think of and i know one of your guests said whatever book he's reading at that moment is is the book that's foremost on his brain but since i do a lot of hospitality work i'll I'll recommend uh, setting the table by danny meyer um, it's a book about the hospitality industry, restaurants, you know, regardless of whether you're in that particular industry, it's about, I mean, it's a memoir. He's a very successful restaurateur um, and, and player in the hospitality industry. So it's about his experience, but it's about the customer and pleasing the customer. And I think that's probably analogous to whatever area in real estate, whatever area it is, but it's also helpful as a consumer about what your expectations should be as a customer or consumer, how to get what you want out of a, a restaurant. I mean, I had this experience yesterday with a problem at a restaurant, uh, how to get what you need or you want out of a hotel as a guest. So I think it can help you no matter which side of the table you're on. Awesome. So um, what motivates you to continue doing what you do every day? You probably want a business answer or a law answer, but I'm going Anything. to give you a different answer, <laughs> which is, I mean, what gets me out of the bed, out of bed every day, what motivates me every day. And I think, I've, I think I knew this about myself anyway, but I've probably learned it more during COVID, which is I have to get outside. Like being outside mm-hmm. is very important to me. Taking a walk, I don't care how cold it is, as long as it's not raining, which is why I think I hate rain. But I mean, cold is all about the clothing. As long as you have layers, your Lululemon layers, your Under Armour, whatever it is, you you can get outside. The right hat, the right everything. And, and you know, to bring it back to real estate, I mean, look at look at Central Park. Look at the brilliance. Look at that city. Think of the value of real estate in New York City and the size of that park. The committee that got together and brought Olmstead and whoever else was on the Olmstead committee. And, and made that park very valuable real estate, but it is amazing. I never go to New York City for a business meeting 
without running in that park in the morning. And depending what side you come in, where you go, and you, there's something about an Olmstead Park. So I was in New Orleans recently, and I walked in Audubon Park every morning. And I didn't know who designed Audubon Park. But I said to the person with me, I said, God, I wonder if this is an Olmstead Park. Something about it feels like Olmstead and reminds me of Central Park. So I quickly, and of course, take the phone out and look. And of course, Olmstead did design it. That's amazing. Right? That's a just, really good tidbit because that's like, I think Audubon Park is the most beautiful park I've ever been to in the world. Um, and like Central Park is also one of the most amazing things. Yes. But I mean, yeah. That's, that's, and the wildlife. Right, to be in New York City and have that level of wildlife. And Audubon Park and Central Park also have zoos, right? Mm -hmm. which, which is nice oh, too. Yeah. You can just kind of walk around the zoo and see that wildlife. But the sound of those birds and ducks in Audubon Park in the middle of a city it is unbelievable, right? Unbelievable what they've created there. Um, I, I, I love the national park system. What, what, was it John, John Muir? And maybe it was Woodrow Wilson. I have to think of which president was that formed the National Park Service. Look at that all over our country to have those national parks. So what gets me up in the morning is, is being able to get out in nature. Awesome. That's a good one. So um, last question for you is what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? I think two pieces of advice. Do your diligence. I mean, don't just go into a career because someone told you to or, or again, it seems like a way to make money. The, the, making money is not satisfying if you're not enjoying it or, or you're not enjoying the people that you work with and not enjoying what you wake up and do every day because you spend most of your life doing that and, and not vacationing or not doing whatever else you're doing. I mean, it, it's a big component of your life, your working life, and a big component of, of your years. So enjoy it, research it, make sure you talk to people that came before you, people that just graduated college, just graduated law school, advanced in their career, retiring from their career, people at every age and stage and make sure it's the right place for you. But I'd also say, keep in touch with your roommates, with your classmates, with your former coworkers, everyone you come in contact with can be, you know, as a lawyer, they may not be your client, but they can be a connector or a connector to a connector. And I'm, and I'm not saying keep in touch with them solely for the purpose of leveraging it into a business relationship, but that is part of it. And that is where you will get your clients and your partners and your business deals are those relationships. But it's, it's the networking aspect of it. I mean, that's the most logical people that you should network with at a very young age until you can build your more sophisticated and larger network. Awesome. That's really good advice. I think they're never too young to, to start networking as you can, as you can tell. Um, Great. So since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So feel free to ask me anything you'd like to know about me. Well, I have to ask, um, how much of your interest in real estate and how much of your drive comes from your mother? Um, I was going to make a comment about that at the end. I was like, anyone who was wondering where I got my work ethic and my, my eagerness to add value, uh, through the form of real estate. Um, here's a, here's a little case study on that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I'm, am, I, am I here to here to, here to flat, flatter you? But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot. I feel like hearing you on conference calls my whole life and just like picking up on the real estate lingo. It's like plant the seed really early on in my in my life. And um, you know, I it's really funny because I got to a point where like 
you know, a lot of most of your clients are like very large developers and very, you know, big players in, in the real estate industry. I always thought like that was the people who were, you know, doing these big things and like adding all this value and like creating all these huge projects. And then like, I realized that, you know, individuals and private companies and family offices and, you know, people closer to us than to them are doing similar things like building multifamily and acquiring and adding value to multifamily. Um, and so, yeah, when I realized that, that was uh, where I got the personal more of a personal drive into real estate so like first I was, it was all about you know real estate careers finding the stuff really interesting and like you know wanting to make a make my mark on the world and then end up realizing like oh like I can you know do this and be like closer to it than I ever really thought so um so I'd say yeah I mean at least at least 50 percent of it was the seed was planted early on I mean you said that you're you're sleeping in the office I'm sure that rubbed off on me <laughs> early on but yeah um anyone... you know and i'll make an analogy too it, it, and i'll plug for one of our pro bono um endeavors you know we mm -hmm. we partner with project destin which i know you've heard about and you may sometimes see on linkedin which is an organization that partners with real estate companies and real estate developers and we are the only law firm involved with them that um it it, it is the most amazing giving back thing that i have ever done because these kids are so talented and so smart and it is and it's real it is it's not just hey have lunch with this person once a week they uh, they pick a project in a city uh, the client is actually working on that project they bring in a team of kids we partner with those i shouldn't call them kids they're your age we, we mm -hmm. partner with students and people in your position that want to go into real estate and we work on that project with them and teach them and they compete against each other. And I, I mentioned that because you have an advantage, of course, by having heard the lingo your whole life. You know, at times, I'm sure you were too young to understand what you were hearing, but it still was there, right? And it was dinner table conversation. And, and we would talk about it if we went out for a walk. So you had that example and you had that lingo many of these kids don't have parents in the industry didn't have that example growing up and this is giving them those tools and those link that lingo and training them to put them in the same position as you and that's what i love about it and again they their trajectory their learning curve is is unbelievable from the beginning of working with them to the end and they're just so capable and smart yeah that's really awesome it's cool i mean that's a really good project and yeah i mean it's all it's all about education i think the experiential learning is just like you know such a advantage to have so that's really cool and uh yeah i love it great well um mom it was a pleasure to have you on this episode uh really excited to share this with my network and um sure everyone from students to real estate developers and and investors are gonna learn a lot from this so thanks very much for your time and your input and everybody uh continue to make some awesome milestones in real estate can't wait to hear about them um, all right. Bye-bye. It's a pleasure. Thank you.